Borussia Dortmund was only the start of it. Fergie signed him and now he's a part of it. Shindle fix it. Shindle fix it for you. And you and you and Kagawa. Welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten and I'm travelling from the south of England to Manchester ahead of the game against Brighton and Hove Albion. I'm with Jim White, a long time United We Stand contributor and author and journalist for the Daily Telegraph. He's written several books on Manchester United, including the acclaimed uh, biography of the club. And I did Have You Won Anything with Kids? I did a book in the 93 94 season called Are You Watching Liverpool? which was brilliant when it came out at the time because there hadn't really been anything like that. He travelled around watching United, mixing with the players, mixing with the fans. And he's written for the fanzine for 20 years. This is his 20th um, season. Anyway, if I sound a bit downbeat, it's because we're stuck in traffic on the M6. There are Brighton fans around us. I was in Brighton on Monday and their programme and the fans I was speaking to, there was so much excitement that they were going to play at Manchester United and the club chairman was apologising because tickets had been oversubscribed and Brighton are in the highest league position for 40 years. They really are a club in a good place. They've got a fantastic new stadium, new training ground. They've been renowned for playing decent football. And 20 years ago, when Jim White started writing for United We Stand, Brighton maintained their football league status with a goal which condemned Hereford United to non-league football. I don't think Hereford have ever been back. Jim, thanks for joining us on the podcast. There's an emergency ambulance going past there seems to have been an incident ahead of us on the M6 it's not the first time you will have been caught in traffic any notable or forgettable traffic jams that you've been caught up in on the way to football games Um, the M6 is actually incorrectly named it is just the car park I mean every time I drive up it in an attempt to watch Manchester United. I'm stuck in traffic. It's the most frustrating road on God's earth. Once I was driving up here, um, I, I was coming along with my son to watch a game against Newcastle, and we were stuck in like this. We're not actually moving, folks, by the way. Not Definitely. actually moving. We're not. Uh, and um, uh, we're, stuck, so, we're stuck between. Never mind, handheld. Stafford and Stoke. Um, anyway. I was driving along and there was a, a jam like this and it was just getting... But I was I was desperate for a cup of coffee. I was absolutely gagging for a cup of coffee. And um, it transpired that the reason why there was this jam was there was a giant earth remover or something being towed up the motorway. And it was, co- it was straddling two lanes, so it was causing complete chaos. Eventually, we get past this um, earth, earth m- m- remover. I'm so pleased drive on for about a mile and a half uh, and there's a motorway services so I pull in go and get my coffee stupidly not realising that of course this bloody thing was going to pass us while I'm getting the coffee come out straight back into the jam I I honestly you know there there is stupidity Andy and then there's the stupidity of ever going near this motorway have you ever missed a kickoff? 
have missed the kickoff. I, I, again, it was an M6 issue. Uh, not a United game. It was the League Cup final a couple of uh, League Cup semi final a couple of years ago. Chelsea were playing at Anfield, and I was driving up from London. I, I don't know quite know why. Again, insane. I, this, uh, I'm not joking here. I left London at 11:30 in the morning on a Wednesday, and I got into Anfield a quarter of an hour after. The, uh, uh, the whistle had blown for the start of the game. So that was more than nine hours on this motorway. There's a moral here, Jim. You should have stayed living in Manchester. Yes, there is. Well, the trouble is, then then you're getting... <laughs> when you go to go to watch United at Stoke, you have to engage with this bloody... Or motorway. Palace away. The, oh, Palace away is like by last far Last season, worst. yeah, Palace is, is horrendous if you're going by road. And last season, some of the fans were saying it had taken seven hours to come from from Manchester. Um, before I tell you the one time I just made kickoff. Uh, <laughs> just but, you're being optimistic about today, then. Well, aren't you? I'm not. Yeah, it's looking pretty grim actually, uh, and it seems to be the norm. There's so every motorway at the moment seems to have massive roadworks on, and Old Trafford's horrendous after matches at the moment getting away from the ground because they're putting a new Metrolink line into the Trafford Centre. It's like a two-hour snarl and they seem to close down Britain's motorway network at night time. But before I tell you one of my stories, I should point out that this podcast is brought to you in association with RedArmyBet.com. Check out the website, RedArmyBet.com, for the latest odds and offers. Loads of Manchester United specials. What are the odds of us getting to the game on time? Four to one. Mm. F. Do you know how to work odds out? I haven't got a clue. <laughs> I like the way you you authoritatively came up with an odd there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know what. Is seven, that what the singular is? I don't. An I don't, odd. <laughs> I don't know what seven to four means. <laughs> seven to four is about the time we'll get there. I've got big blanks in my memory. Of seven I minutes know. to four, we'll get there. I'm getting hammered because I didn't know the the four Ronnie's candle, two Ronnie's four candles sketch the <laughs> other day. Well, that's right. You should be. Uh, hammered for that yeah, yeah I'd like to think I'm well rounded with a good breadth of knowledge but I'm being exposed continually on these podcasts for knowing nothing anyway 2008 Manchester United that summer that they're in pursuit of Dimitar Berbatov they played the first pre-season game in Cape Town so I booked to go I was covering it I was writing about it I was writing about it for a couple of uh, big papers and I set off two days before 48 hours before uh, going via Paris to Johannesburg and then to Cape Town everything was running smoothly until I got, I had a lovely day in Paris I had like 8 hours time to connect there, until at 11pm at night I went to the Air France desk for my flight to Johannesburg and they said you need two free pages in your passport Uh, and I didn't have two I had one, so they said well we're not letting you on the plane (laughs) what? What? I'm I'm going on the plane. This was due to arrive at noon on Friday. United's game was at um, 1 p.m. on Saturday. I said, no, it's your obligation. You've lost your flight. And there's a United fan in the queue, and he was talking to me, and he had a hotel by the airport. He let me crash in his room because it was was 1 o'clock by the time I'd walked away from the desk. I still couldn't get to South Africa. I went to the British Embassy in Paris in the morning, explained my predicament, and much as we might knock many facets of the British diplomatic system, they were fantastic. 
the lady who was extremely posh reassured me that as a British citizen there would not be a problem in reissuing a new passport and relieved me of £200 and then I went back to the airport and they said they put me on probably put me on a later flight that night at no extra cost so I lost 24 hours so I was due to arrive in Cape Town at, at noon on Saturday Kickoff was 1pm I came out the airport got my bag got a taxi straight to Newland Stadium in Cape Town and arrived four minutes before kickoff <laughs> for a game. Whoa! I'd set off for 48 hours before. I think that was the, the closest, closest <laughs> one. The first ever monkey bus we did, Villa away in 91, because we were idiots and thought it was a breeze down the M6. 7.30 kickoff. We left town at 5.15, but buses never leave bang on time. And people were, there was an accident on the M6. So, the, the monkey bus, the United We Stand Red issue buses at the time, they never nearly took off the ground because we people were scrambling around to make kickoff for the, the first ever game that we did. The traffic started moving, Jim. We're moving. It's not going to last. Um, there must be some others. Some, remember Spurs away, New Year's Day 96, I think. I travelled from Newquay. Don't know why I went to Newquay with my <laughs> mates for the New Year. Seven hours, horrendous one. Some friends of mine missed, they actually missed it, the European Cup final in 2009 no. in Rome. <laughs> Might be a blessing that they did miss it, yeah. although the first nine minutes was fantastic. They flew via Germany, went on the piss in Germany, overslept, missed the flight, hired a car to try and make it to Rome, got as far as the north of Italy, realised they weren't going to make kick-off, having driven maybe 10 hours and watched the game in a bar. There, uh, Fenerbahce last season. There was one flight a day to Istanbul, and it arrived four and a half hours before kickoff. And I just took a chance and thought that's going to get me there. Traffic was horrendous in Istanbul. It's probably the worst city in Europe for traffic. I remember pleading with the taxi driver, just don't talk shit to me. Don't try and rip me off. Just get me to that ground as quickly as possible. And did he? Yeah, he did do. But it's just standing traffic from the airport. He was trying to scam me. He was just very gently trying to scam me for like a hundred euros uh, by taking me via Ankara, which is on a different, <laughs> <laughs> which is on a different continent. Actually, it's not on a different continent. Fenerbahce's ground. Any others uh, today? Right. Uh, you momentarily got excited because we were uh, we were moving, but we're yards. about to 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 crawl. I wonder, you know. Uh, the, the numbers it's not just it's not just um, uh, Brighton you know the visiting fans there are a lot of United fans yeah I was going to mention uh, and you know w w it's always a fantastic thing um, to go to a motorway services on a on a, a, a match day and see the people you know with all their different uh, team shirts it always makes me laugh you know you see sort of um, you know 60 year old blokes with uh, uh, Marcus Rashford shirt <laughs> uh, the that their wife's just bought them for Christmas. That's always brilliant. Um, and people just rely and depend on motorways and get let down consistently. And, and rely and depend on a football, their football team and, <laughs> and get let down consistently. It's very similar. Very similar. A, a football team... My, my, I, I get no joy out of a motorway. Occasionally I get a joy out of my football team. A football team is an emotional crutch for a lot of people. There's a lot of irrational 
frustrated behaviour and it, it's an outlet for that, isn't it? Oh, if, oh, if you absolutely. go on social media when United have lost a game, there's just, just rage. Absolutely. I, I, I wrote about this in the, uh, in the, in the latest uh, United with Stan. I had, a, I had a friend who got a job in um, uh, America about um, uh, 10 years ago um, as a soccer coach. And um, he, when he arrived in uh, uh, California, uh, the school gave him a great big welcoming. There was the brass band and, and, and so on. And the principal of the college where he was going to work um, stood up and said, Coach, welcome. We're 100% behind you. Win or tie. <laughs> so he kind of realised where he was. And he came back uh, from America. And he used to tell that story as a kind of difference between, you know, America demanding victory at all costs and uh, Britain, British sport, you know, we realise there is such a thing as defeat, we're a bit more realistic about it. I'm, I'm not sure whether there is any difference now, you know, one defeat um, creates crisis um, and, you, and you, look at the, you look at the rhythms around the season and there's always a team in crisis. You know, uh, West Bromwich Albion recently shed their manager um, who has successfully kept him in the uh, top division for three seasons because of this kind of sense of g gathering crisis. Same happened at Everton. And, and you know, even a, a, a team as successful as Manchester United, a couple of failures and people just begin to, you know, in, well, don't begin, they immediately jump on this kind of uh, crisis. But the, the, there's always going to be a team in crisis. There has to be a team at the bottom of the table. Absolutely. There's not really been a team in the history of football, apart from the 2008 European Cup winners, where it's pretty faultless. And there's, you can always pick on Manchester United um, even when they win and play well, there will always be a player who underperforms. There'll always be a problem position, a problem player, speculation about something. It gets Jose Mourinho's back up. But then it's a point of, it's a point of intrigue among supporters. Supporters are quite right to ask, when is our £30 million left-back <laughs> Luke Shaw going to play? Why is Michael Carrick not, not playing? I mean, we knew about Michael Carrick two months ago. We didn't write it because it's a, it's a private issue. And he came out and said that he had an irregular heartbeat um, and we hope that things work out for him and he gets back and plays because even though he's 35, he was still effective as recently as this year, wasn't he? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we wish him we wish him all the best with that. Um, a, a, a huge contributor to United's success over, over the years. Absolutely central to the third great Fergie side. Um, held the midfield together like glue. A magnificent player. Um, just like a kind of metronome at, at, at the heart of any team. Um, but yeah, uh, I, money has changed everything, I think. Uh, that's a trite thing to say, but I think it has in the sense that no team can afford to slip to the bottom of the uh, Premier League. They just can't because the, the gap between your earnings in the, even with parachute payments, the gap between your earnings in the Championship and, and the Premier League is such that you cannot afford to go down. So if you are a club like Crystal Palace or West Bromwich Albion or uh, uh, Leicester City, um, to, be, to be removed from that money pipe is such that it, it just sends a... Um, uh, absolute panic through the boardroom and that's what's really uh, precipitating it. The only club who's managed to kind of go down and remain loyal uh, has been Burnley. Yeah. Uh, they've had success as a yeah, result. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, they are a model of how to do it but 
very few uh, are brave. I think today's opponents, it'll be interesting to see how they go on because I think they've been very, very canny in sticking with Chris Hewton. He's a very good manager um, and, uh, you know, um, has proven himself uh, to be excellent there. And I wonder whether if they go down at the end of this season, uh, whether they'll stick with uh, Hewton. If they do, I think they'll they'll come straight back. But even Brighton, much as there's a great romance about it, and it is a big city of a quarter of a million people, it's big enough to be staging Premier League football. I was there on Monday, it was another full house against Stoke. It was Buddy that got them out of the shit. Yes, got absolutely. A very wealthy owner who, who finally pushed through the stadium, the new training ground, and, and saw that there was potential there, which is now being, being realised. How are you feeling about United at the moment? Um, mixed feelings. I, 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 you know, I, I, I think that uh, Paul Pogba's uh, reputation grew in absence, and uh, when he came back uh, against Newcastle, we saw why. Um, he, he drives the team forward. I think he feels, alongside Matic, uh, he, he is enabled to spread his wings. I think he's a, a kind of dr- driving creativity that is lacking. I'm very impressed by uh, Martial and Rashford. Um, I think that I'd, I want to see that as the front three, Martial, Rashford, either side of Lukaku. Then you've got Matic and Pogba. Not a lot wrong with that. The question is who sits in the middle of that particular lineup. Mkhitaryan definitely at the moment isn't worthy of a place, and I think Mourinho appreciates that. It's a shame, isn't it? It is a he's shame. He's not he, consistent. He, 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 he's I, I, absent I, in games. He disappears. He's a ghost. He disappears like the Armenian uh, ghost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he disappears completely. Uh, I'm going to say something that that having we've just spoken about uh, Mkhitaryan and uh, said he disappears so this sounds like the most contrary thing to say but you know there is a player who could fit in there and uh, I suspect Mourinho will bring him in um, and that's Mesut Ozil yeah he likes him and we've, we've put stuff in United we stand in the last year about how much he, he likes him um, there's young Andreas Pereira at uh, Valencia who feels that would be his best position. I think that's a bit of a stretch, actually, at the moment. He's doing well in a good Valencia team. Yes, I he's went, doing brilliantly. I went to see him last week. They're unbeaten. They play Barcelona on, on Sunday night. He's very happy there. He took a month to get into his rhythm, coming in as a substitute. I think he's got it. Has he got it to stand out at Manchester United? Mourinho likes him. I quite like the courage in his conviction to go away and play first-team football and... Managers always want more players than they need. And Jose was saying, stay, you fight for your place. But he said after three matches, I've not even been in a match day squad. Yeah. What more can I do? I've gone on the pre-season. I've played really well. Um, and I've got Valencia offering me first-team football. You can see why he took it, can't you? Yes, I, I mean, I, I think this is the issue for young players. Um, Marcus Rashford is a, a real exception in the way that he has broken through uh, and made the the transition. It's it's becoming increasingly difficult. You you look across uh, Manchester at uh, City and uh, Phil Foden, uh, who was remarkably good for the England World Cup winning under 17s. And you think, oh well, he's 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 got a chance. But look who he's got ahead of him. I know. I mean, it, you know, there is no way Phil Foden is going to go into the Manchester City first team. So if he wants to make that 
transition that is so required, he'll have to go away. And, I, and you know, the, the hope is uh, that Pereira, having gone away, having gained the experience... Each time at a better club. At a better club. It will then... He'll then be offered the, the transitional position. But we've seen it even with people like um, Romelu Lukaku, yeah. uh, Kevin De Bruyne. You know, the, these players who are now dominating they have the to Premier go away. League, they had to go away. Yeah, they do. They do. And on a lower level, Tom Cleverley went to Leicester when they were in the third tier. Watford when they were in the second tier. Wigan when they were in the Premier League. Wigan are not quite Valencia. So you'd hope that Andreas is in good stead. Uh, I think he's technically very good. I've spoke to lots of his coaches about him in Manchester, in Valencia. He's not as fast as Martial. Um, but you're right, players have to go go away to get their minutes to almost prove themselves. Even Paul Pogba had to do that. Yes. And another young City player, there's two at City who stand out. And they stand out because Manchester United had five bad years where they didn't pay sufficient money for youth players. That's now changing. Um, was Jadon San- Sancho and... He just thought, I'm getting nowhere here. So he joined uh, Borussia Dortmund. Yes. You can go to Dortmund, play in front of 80,000 people in a good league. That's hugely attractive. And Dortmund know that they're still a selling club. And then you come back to City, Chelsea, United. It's a slightly shifting model, isn't it? To... But it's so... It, 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 it's what's, Where there's a real tension is that clubs like United... There's been put... an incident, Jim. There's been a crash. Oh, That's why... That's why there's a delay. Yes. I hope they aren't going to um, the game. A crash. Oof. Bang. Free car collision. Doesn't look to be too serious. Ambulances and two emerging. And, and the really good news is, Andy, uh, we're, we're now about um, five miles uh, south of the roadworks where we'll have to stop again. Is that snow on the hill? Yeah, right? I was just looking at that. Bloody hell. It's been snowing in Stoke overnight. That is snow. Wow. No, so, won't, we won't be getting that in Valencia and just Pereira, will we? No, it's a lovely city. 300 days of, of sunshine a year in Valencia, I think. I think but, Valencia but, but there's a real tension in the way that we're um, Manchester United are making great efforts to develop young players. We've got this fantastic record over the uh, decades of maintaining a, a, a progress uh, through the system. Chelsea spend millions on their youth development and yet none of their players ever go through no, City are no, doing the same yeah. so, I, I can't quite understand why, they, why they're not doing it interestingly <coughs> Huddersfield Town have just shelved it they've just decided well we're not going to do it Nor- Norwich City have just shelved it and what they're doing is they're going for they're seeing value um, in Germany for example so I went to Huddersfield last year and they would buy the best striker for FC Mainz for yeah. four million. And Leeds United are trying this this year, and you're getting very good footballers, not on the cheap. And as more clubs do it, the prices will escalate because they'll realise Britain's, England's a, a, a money pot. But Germany, a country of 85, 90 million people, does produce good footballers. And just because you've not heard of them and they're not playing for Bayern Munich, doesn't mean that they can't do a job at Huddersfield Town. They were buying centre halves from. Um, lower level Bundesliga teams who don't have anything like the level of money that Premier League uh, teams have and it, it's worked really well for Huddersfield and adding all the other um, variables such as a good team spirit which isn't a given I've been at West Ham this week and they've not got a good team spirit at all 
no matter what you raises the man to revive that I hope he does I like David I realize that it's not a popular opinion to hold among many many people but I do think he's a good person he, he, he covers up being a good person because he's, <laughs> <laughs> he, he's his PR message and what he says doesn't always come across well and he leaves himself open for ridicule the people who do West Ham's programme left him open for more ridicule by putting a cartoon image of him on their programme cover last night. But I do think he's a good man. He's a football man. I think he's got Stuart Pearce with him, uh, Billy McKinley, Alan Irving. They're all good coaches. But he's got a really tough job there because he's got a divided dressing room full of a lot of big-time knobheads, if I'm honest. Uh, he's got a divided dressing room and he's got a, a, a very divided fan base as yeah, well. they didn't well, want him. When I say f- divided... They're not divided. Uh, I think West Ham is, is is a real crisis club. We were talking about crisis earlier. It's a crisis club in that there is a huge uh, disaffection amongst the fan base. They loathe that stadium. And, and when you go there, you can understand completely why. I mean, it is probably the worst place I've ever seen uh, uh, modern football uh, at, 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 at the City of London Stadium. Is it called City London? It's oh, called the London, London, London Stadium. Stadium. It is awful. I mean, interestingly, uh, the way that uh, the Etihad was converted from an athletics track into a football stadium, you wouldn't actually know that the uh, Etihad was once a multi-sport stadium. It's now a proper football stadium because the way they did it was very astute. Uh, the, the London Stadium is just awful. It's too big. The, the Etihad's a fantastic stadium. Yeah, it works. Yeah, it, it works. Nothing works at, at the London Stadium. So the fans are very discontented. I mean, the, the, there are all these kind of drip, drip things going on at West Ham. For instance... Keel services. Carry on. We're doing <laughs> we're moving. Uh, For instance, um, we've just discovered that the uh, odious... Uh, board at West Ham have requested um, that there are no home fixtures on Boxing Day because the Westfield Centre uh, Boxing Day is a big um, shopping day and uh, it can't cope, Stratford Station can't cope with a big shopping day and football at the same time and so from now on West Ham fans are going to have to go away on Boxing Day and that is a, that is a you know, you should be getting a Boxing Day fixture once every other year, not if you're a West Ham fan and, and that kind of thing is just creating so much tension because it's also the opposite of Upton Park I went to West Ham last night for the first time, it was Black Friday there was a game on, the, the place was hammered, I was struck by how little people knew who were working for West Ham when I was asking for directions, when I was saying, where's the media entrance? No, nobody had a clue. In fact, even the fanzine seller didn't have a clue. This was really weird, this, because for years, um, I got on well with Gary Firmager. He did was the, he the guy who used to stand up the, on yeah. the top of the stepladder? Yeah, he did. Outside and, up to bar. Yeah, yeah, and I knew Gary since I was a 15-year-old lad. And he was a proper West Ham fan, and he always said, this is my last season, I've had enough of this Premier League football. But he said it for 20 years. <laughs> And, and he said, I'm not going to the new stadium. So I went last night. I saw a fanzine on sale. It wasn't Overland and Sea. I said to the fanzine seller, um, is Gary around? He went, no, stop doing it now. I said, well, can I buy a copy of your fanzine? I'd not heard of the fanzine. He said, yeah. He handed me a copy. I looked on the cover. It's, I told him I did United We Stand. Normally there's an affinity there. Normally we'd agree to swap issues and he might give me a free one. And I'd send them one in the post. 
And he said, yeah, that's 350. I said, but it, but it says 250 on the cover. He said, yeah, but we've got to sell them for 350 on these days. I said, but, but, but it says 250 <laughs> on the cover. Yeah, well, it was 250 when we printed it. And I opened it. And he was trying to sell me a fanzine from 2003. And I thought, what? What, what is going on here? He went, all right, two for a fiver. I said, I just want the latest copy of a West Ham fanzine so I can gauge the mood among supporters over and above what I've seen watching West Ham in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, 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 yeah. He got a bit stressed. He ruffled around the bag through a pile of 200 fanzines. They all appeared to be different issues. I said, I just want the latest one. <laughs> he went, this will have what you need. And, it, and it's only 250. So I looked at it, interview with Frank McAvenny on the front. Oh, this, this looks interesting. <laughs> April 2007. I think that man was completely pickled. Is it too much <laughs> to expect a current, issue. a current issue of a fanzine outside a game? I've never had any experience of that, of similar from fanzine sellers in, in, in my life. To be fair to West Ham, uh, I saw the away fans at Watford on Sunday. They were very, very anti-board. Last night, they really got behind the team. One man even stood up and went, David Moyes, Claret and Blue Army. And he tried. Was that David Moyes? In, in vain. Um, it was Jimmy Lumsden, actually. <laughs> uh, uh, and he tried. And West Ham didn't play that badly, actually. Uh, but it, it, is a, it is a deeply troubled club. You, you, you can see that. There are now foreboding rain clouds as we finish this part of the podcast. Delays possible until March the 19th. We're going to be, there's two hours to kick off. We're south of Stoke still. And the traffic is coming to a standstill. Hopefully we'll make Old Trafford. Hopefully we'll speak to more people and join you back after the game. Hopefully when Manchester United have won a seventh consecutive league game. Won every league game at home this season. And by that I mean home matches and only conceded one goal against a very good Newcastle team uh, I've been really good on my predictions this year in getting them right so I'll ruin that now I will go for Manchester United 4 Brighton and Hove Albion Stevie Foster what a difference you have made nil wasn't that scoreline of the 83 replay was it 4-1 it was yeah okay I'm going for I'm going for 4-0 what are you going for Jim Um yeah, I, I can't see Bright, Brighton. Yeah, Brighton are all getting all geared up for their game against Crystal Palace on Tuesday. I think that's where yeah. they're emotionally uh, tied up. Um, it's their rivalry, it's a derby game. That's isn't it? their big game. Um, when you, God, I, I was going to say when you're centre forward, Scott Murray, um, you can't be sending ripples of fear through. Uh, uh, Glenn, Murray. Glenn, Glenn, Glenn Murray. Glenn Murray. Glenn gave a good interview this week. But which he's, said, uh, if uh, I had a fran- fancy French name, people would love me. Yeah. Uh, the trouble is, having having called him out, he's now going to score a hat trick, isn't he? Um, I think it will be three uh, 0 to United. Thanks for joining us, Jim. I'm walking to the away end. Um, just seen a very smartly dressed young man, uh, Brighton fan. What's your name? Brighton fan, Albert. And is this your first trip to Old Trafford? Uh, it isn't actually. No, I've been before. Uh, mate of mine was a Fulham fan, so I come up a few years ago. Uh, it's when Ferguson was here, I think. So a good, good few years ago now. But looking forward to it again. Hopefully, you know, if we can pick something up, then that's that's uh, you know that's that's a bonus. But you know, it's all about keeping the score down today. I think. Where are you from? Uh, Brighton, born and bred. So yeah, big Brighton fan. Um, always had a soft spot for United, actually. To be really? fair. So 
always like them under Ferguson of course when they used to run it obviously nowadays looking looking strong this year so looking forward to it should be a good game uh, as long as Lukaku's off form uh, <laughs> where's your, your your club in the last 20 years it's miraculous what's it's happened brilliant. isn't it I've, I've actually been a season to get older for about 15 years now so, so I've been going when with they were the yeah so I went once going, yeah when, when they weren't when they weren't all that so it's good good to see them coming to a like, venue like this today obviously big Big ground, big big occasion for us. Probably not much for United fans, but for us, obviously, big big game. And um, yeah, looking forward to it. Obviously, you know, and come you, from um, you know, you were well oversubscribed for the three thousand tickets, weren't you? Yeah, I think. I think so. Yeah, no, I know a lot of people that can get tickets. So uh, yeah, no, it's uh, no, it's good. Yeah, What's been your up. greatest moment as a Brighton fan? Greatest moment as a Brighton fan, I think, going up last year, definitely getting promoted. Um, I think against Wigan at home when we got it, uh, got promoted at home, and um, oh, it was the best day of my life. I think uh, you know, coming to places like this. It's good, yeah. And, Happy uh, days. and of all the struggles, um, how old were you when you almost went out of the football league, didn't you? In uh, yeah, 1997. I, mean, I was a bit young, I think it was about three or four at the time. Yeah. Um, well, my dad behind me now, uh, he used to, well, he, he always used to go down to Goldstone back in the day. Yeah. And obviously, yeah, all the, we had the issues with the owners back in the day. Yeah. And um, yeah, we got from nothing to now. Yeah, Bill Archer. And, Bill uh, Archer Bilotti. sold the Goldstone. And uh, yeah, weren't in a good place, but to be here now, what's it? 20 odd years down the line it's, uh, it's all good yeah. as I walked to Farmer train station by your new ground on Monday I saw yeah. a sticker saying Archer never forget and yeah. I love that because it, it was a huge stink at the time yeah. when he sold your ground and yeah. you had to move and play in Gillingham and then you came yes. back to Withdean yeah. Yeah. which was an athletic stadium yeah. holding yeah. 8,000 yeah. I can hear yeah. Albion inside now yeah. do we call you Albion or Brian? Albion, Albion yeah Albion's good yeah I yeah. mean obviously you've got the confusion you might, you've got West Brom fans that might call themselves Albion as well but yeah Brighton or Albion whatever takes your fancy who are your best players? best players you've got What's it, a knockout, good little player on the on the right. Yeah. You see, good player. You got March. We we can break. We got quick players up there. Uh, Murray's got a bit of experience up top, and at the back you got Duffy and Dunk this year. They've been solid for us. So yeah, got got a few good players there. Uh, Bruno is thirty seven. Uh, the Spaniard, maybe. Yeah. yeah, the Spaniard uh, played for Valencia. Yeah, I remember so we, we him. Got, good player. Yeah, we got a few, you know a few good heads in there. So yeah, should be a good game. And, and is, um, is your accent a Brighton one? Uh, you could call it that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Something like that. How would yeah. you describe Brighton as a as a city? As uh, someone who, who didn't. No. <laughs> it's interesting, yeah. I mean, you know, gay capital and all that, so we've always had that reputation. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, it's a good, good place to live. Um, you know, everyone's welcome, you know, it's a nice place to live. Yeah, obviously, near to London, it's an attractive place as well for players to come down. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You, you know, you've got, you got, uh, you got Gatwick up the road, yeah. um, you know, not, not far from London. You know, uh, no, it's a good, nice place to live, and uh, you've got the seafront, of course. I once am um, friends with one of your former players, Andre Orlandi. Oh, right, yeah, good and player. And he knew that I'd yeah. interviewed someone right. at Barcelona four years ago yeah okay. and he told me to suggest to that person that he should become Brighton manager <laughs> and I did do yeah and the, 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 the gentleman I'm not going to name him but he, he, gent, he gently turned it down right. and within two years he'd won the European Cup so maybe Brighton yeah. wasn't right for him at that stage <laughs> it is great no it was so, Lewis so yeah. I went to see him I remember and um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I basically I got a brief to say we play the way that you play yeah there's a new training ground about to open yes we're 30 minutes from Gatwick Airport that's it we've got it all um, set up Lewis's <laughs> wife is she likes the sun yeah, <laughs> yeah well, well so, we should it's you know not weather apparently in England so there you go you know. I actually said to him yeah. it's the sunniest city in England yeah <laughs> oh you're trying to sell it to him I like that yeah no because I know it's him yeah. and Garcia when we had Oscar Garcia in there no because um, um, yeah. Andre right I know you've got to get in yeah Good go again nice mate. one take, take care. care all the best Sorry? That yeah, was a battle. It was a battle, yeah. I can, I can say that. But uh, it was a battle because Brighton was very good. 
I think they were good from minute one until the last minute. Good approach. Defensively, very well organized. They changed. They normally play with, with Gross as a second striker. Today they play with uh, a line of five across the midfield. I keep saying defend well is, is very important. Um, for some pundits, no, but, but defend well is very important and they defend it very, very well. And then they were, they were quite dangerous in counter-attack. The wingers are, are good players, are quick. They, they have one against one, so they had a couple of, of crosses across the face of, of the goal. I think they played really well. We didn't play well. We didn't play well. The good thing for me was, uh, was the, the intensity got higher in the second half in search of the goal. And then after the goal, we couldn't we couldn't kill the game. And in the last 10, 15 minutes, I saw I saw a, a humble team with everybody trying to trying to play for the clean sheet and giving everything. And people like Lukaku playing wide on the left and chasing defenders and the midfield players closing the space in the middle. So I'm happy with with the attitude. I'm happy with the attitude, but I have to praise a team and a manager that a few months ago they were playing in the championship, and today they come to Old Trafford, and they were the team until now that gave us the biggest problems. You had, um, you had four forwards on the pitch from the start. Yeah. Is that a um, would that be your answer to there's been some quotes from Eric Hansen? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if today uh, some of the pundits they say we play with too many attackers. I wouldn't be surprised. But if they say that, I think they were right. What they played? Yeah, because sometimes you play with too many attacking players and you lose control of, um, of the game. We had, we had a few problems defensively because um, Matic and Pogba they were a bit isolated in the center of the park and um, if you compensate that with more creation that's good that's that's a good risk um, and against Newcastle was good because we were not very solid defensively but we were really strong in creation today our creation was poor the three players that played with, with Lukaku, they didn't get uh, the ball, they were not successful on the one against one. Uh, Marcos didn't have a, a happy match at all. So he didn't have a creation. I could expect some defensive problems against a good team in counter-attack. I could expect us to concede the goal, no problem. I would expect us to have uh, more football, more or less third, more chances and more goals, but we didn't. And when we saw that, when we saw that, and we we found ourselves winning one nil, was a moment to to try to give balance. But it's hard for me to to be on the bench and don't know when Pogba has to be has to be changed. I I want to play Fellaini early. I want to play Fellaini with Pogba, but then I don't know if Pogba 
is happy to be on, on the pitch uh, under the fatigue line or if the fatigue reached the line it's hard for me to be on the bench with these with these dilemmas What was your view of um, the goal Joseph? I think Brighton seems to be quite upset that a corner was awarded I think they felt the ball had come off the No, the corner is exactly in the other side of the pitch I just think that Lukaku was phenomenal in his effort to fight for that ball and then the linesman is two meters away I am in that diagonal maybe I am 80 meters away I have no idea Sorry? Why do you think you're not scoring as many goals? You only scored um, seven in your last six games in the Premier League. Uh, 21 in the previous games. Why has that happened? I don't know. Are you concerned about that? I don't know. In the Champions League, we played one of the best football away at home. In the first half, should be 6 0 and both 0 0. I'm not happy with that. But today we scored 1 0 and, and one goal today was. Enough for the three points because you know, in the end, in the end, in the end, we speak about what we want, but you know, the points and the table. Okay, can, sorry, can we move on? Can we move on now to the last question? Is it a relief for you, Jose, that now everybody knows what Michael's situation is and he seems to have an optimistic prognosis? You're glad about that and it's in the open now? You know, Michael as a person is more important than Michael as a player. So we, we, we gave them the time to relax, to recover, to feel confident, to make the decision, he wants to play, he wants to stop. He knows, he knows that uh, my, my coaching staff has a chair for him. If he wants, when he wants, the chair is there in the office for him. I want that, uh, the board wants that, the owners want that. So Michael is in a comfortable situation of uh, his future will be, will be with us. But he wants to be a player until the end of, uh, of the season and now he feels confident to be, to be back. So training, one more option for us. We need, we need players, and if Michael wants, I'm happy with that. So it's an hour after the final whistle, and I'm leaving Old Trafford. I'm going into Manchester to see a concert at the Apollo Hacienda Classical. Uh, it's freezing, and I was just walking towards the metro station to go meet some friends later on, and bumped into a group of lads from Oxford. Now I came, I travelled up from Oxford this morning, and so did they, and. We did separately. Um, I left at 10 o'clock, they were on a train at 6 o'clock in the morning, so they've had a full day on it in Manchester. I think they've had a good time. And um, United won 1 0. It, it wasn't a great game. United didn't play well. You've just heard the comments of Jose Mourinho there. Uh, I watched, I decided before the game that I was going to write about Victor Lindelof, and I watched him closely. And that could have gone completely the wrong way if he would have had a stinker. But he actually played well. Uh, thought it was his best game for Manchester United so far. 
against the very awkward Glenn Murray and a very competent Brighton side who were backed by a very vocal away following. You're always going to get that when a team hasn't played at Old Trafford for years and I thought they were excellent as Newcastle United fans were last season. Slightly odd that Jose Mourinho chose to compliment United fans for being good today but they were good after the 55th minute when Lindelof flew into a challenge with Anthony Nokia and the, the, the winner came soon after that so it's three points, it is another clean sheet and pressure of sorts is kept on, on Manchester City but Jose Mourinho didn't pretend that it was a classic Manchester United performance, that there was any creativity and I think when the, the substitution was made when Mata came off for Ibrahimovic it was the right choice at the right time but it's a win it's probably the type of game we would have drawn last season so United keep up the, the pressure at the top the question marks over loads of players and, but you've got to also factor in I think that nearly crashed in the cab <laughs> that um, <laughs> that we no I was thinking uh, yeah yeah carry on okay it's alright mate just don't crash because <laughs> no, I, I saw a car standing here I thought it's traffic here as well ok so no problem so um, Pete got factoring nearly, uh, nearly a crash and, uh, nearly punctured nearly punctured <laughs> carry on and the, the team played in Basel and didn't get home until 3 o'clock on Thursday morning I was slightly surprised to see um, Henrik Mkhitaryan come on, probably good for him because he, I think the pressure was suggested and his manager suggested that he wasn't going to be featuring for a while and then he, he came on. Uh, there were also a chance for Michael Carrick which was good because he put an announcement out on Friday night um, that he'd had um, found an irregular heartbeat. And, been having some some issues. Uh, we knew about that a couple of months ago, and it's one of the things we just we just didn't want to write it. It's it's, it's a personal issue, and you, know, you don't know when you write something like that. You don't know if the player's family knows. So uh, it's good that he's he's cleared that up a bit. And Jose Mourinho said after the game that Michael Carrick is welcome on the coaching staff at, at any time. So I'm with three lads here from Oxford. What's your name? Uh, Ryan. You you're in Baal? Yes. So you've tell me about your last three days. What you've done? Um, was in Bow. Got there on a Tuesday. Was in there all day. Obviously Tuesday drinking all day. Yeah. On the Tuesday, drinking all day. The Wednesday popped into Germany for a few cheap beers, but popped back. How cheap were the beers in Germany? Um, about three quid. Right. So it was worth doing. Yeah. To be to be honest, it wouldn't have bothered me, but the gang was with thought we'd go off it. To be honest with me, I think if you're there, you know, yeah. I had enough Swiss money yeah. to stay in Switzerland. But if you can go over the border and get a few cheap beers, why not? Yeah. And then so, you, so yeah. you were back to Oxford on Thursday. About eight o'clock. So landed at Gatwick, got back to Oxford about eight half eight Thursday yeah. night. And then Saturday morning, you're on the way. Yeah, work Friday. Yeah. And then Saturday morning, six thirty nine train from Oxford up to Manchester. Um, I didn't know you were from Oxford. I've seen you lads around at yep. matches. Um, yep. You go to all the games? Yes. Yeah. What's United support like in Oxford? One of our old United We Stand writers, right, Martin Hall. He, he, he's a, an Oxford lad. Yeah. Many of you? Uh, yeah, I know him well. Yeah. I know Martin well. Um, he's living in Washington now. He's not. I don't think he's wrote for a while, has he? No. And he needs to do more. He does. If he's, he's listening. And I know he does. Yeah, he's a very good writer. Um yeah, yeah, there's good support in Oxford. There's a good few of us that go up. Yeah. Not just us, but 
but there's a few that there's a branch in there Oxford and Banbury branch but yeah there is a branch yeah I used to go with them before I could do it independently before you booked on 6.39 trains yeah, north yeah, yeah. to Manchester because yeah, you could, wanted a full day yeah yeah it. before I could drink basically yeah but um and yeah, what yeah, do Oxford United fans say to you? Do they respect you as being um, proper Manchester United fans, or do you get do you get a bit of stick? I, I don't. Well, me personally, I don't get one bit of stick. Yeah. Because they know I go to the games. So they know I go abroad. They know I go to Europe. Yeah. Went to went to China for yeah. the pre-season. Yeah, yeah. And um, things like that. So yeah, I don't. I don't get one bit of stick off. Yeah. Off them or. Are there any Liverpool really. fans in Oxford? Plenty. Yeah. Yeah. Plenty. Proper fans. Um. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one or two. One or two. What did you make of the game today at Old Trafford? Well, I know, well, being on it at 6.39, I thought, I thought it was actually a good game. Yeah. But I've heard since that a few people didn't think it was, but I thought, yeah. as soon as, uh, I've, I've just heard you made reference there to Lindelof's tackle. Yeah. I think that erupted the game. Yeah, it did. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm so glad, and I'm so happy for him. So you now are trying to get the last train back to Oxford, yeah. which leaves shortly. And if you miss that, what happens? Because we started this podcast today, me and Jim White, moaning about the M6 as we yeah. came up from, yeah, yeah. from Oxford. Have you missed any last trains back? Um, or have you been on Yeah, once or twice before, but then we've had to... Um, yeah, we have before. And then got a, we got a train to Birmingham. Yeah. And then just got How a taxi from way? Birmingham. A taxi from Birmingham to yeah. Oxford? How much was yeah. that? Well, um, talking, it was a couple of years ago, but 120 quid, something like that. Um, I, I wrote a piece in the latest fanzine about working with Patrice Ever on his autobiography, and so I've been going to see him a lot. I've been to been to Marseille several times. Uh, not sure if we got to Marseille again in the immediate future. <laughs> after my last journey there, there was, the train was delayed by an hour and a half, and the French rail company, um, SNCF, had to put a taxi on for the last bit of my journey along with eight other passengers the taxi was 560 euros so that's the most expensive taxi I've been in by a long long way I suppose if you divided it if you divided it between eight people and it was a two hour taxi ride as well and our taxi driver is just smiling here where are you from mate? Afghanistan Afghanistan fantastic how long have you lived in Manchester? Uh, about uh, 15 years and um, is football popular in Afghanistan? obviously yeah we have a football team and Manchester United, would people know of United in in Afghanistan? Or, or what do you tell people when you speak to your, your Afghan friends? Do, do you ever go back there? Yeah, I go back every six months and I spend three months there and coming back for work here again. Yeah? Yes. Whereabouts in Afghanistan? Uruzgan. Oh yeah, where's that? It's uh, <laughs> south. Right. South of Afghanistan, yeah. Homeland? Sorry? Helmand province? No? Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm getting I, I, If I had to do a map of, of Afghanistan, I could tell you where Kabul is, I could tell you where the Hindu Kush is and Helmand province, and probably um, Kajaki, where the dam was as well, but that's only because a lot of British lads have, have been in, in Afghanistan. Are you optimistic about the future of Afghanistan? I think till America is there, the problem never finished. And how are British people perceived? Because I think it's the third time that our soldiers have been in Afghanistan in the last 150 years. Yeah, the British, when British was there, I think it was safer. Yeah. A lot better than, you know, now America 
you know, is there and it's, it's not safe at all. Anyway, we're talking about Afghanistan on a Manchester United podcast. That wasn't intended. So the, the next game is... Um, what's the next game now? Watford. Watford, Tuesday. of course it is. Watford Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, it is. And um, Watford's chief executive is a United fan. Nobody knows that because he doesn't tell anyone. But he's called Scott Duxbury and he went to my school and he's from Ermston. And, and his, par- his parents used to own King, <laughs> King Spot in Ermston. Okay. And, I, and I once did a big trick on him. And I'm going to tell it you now. In 1995, after United played in Paris, I went to London and I met an agent mate of mine. And he said that he was meeting West Ham to sell them a football player. I'm not going to name him, but he's famous. And he said that he was meeting Scott. So I thought, ah, right, let's do a trick on him. So here's what happened. The agent went down in a posh hotel to meet West Ham's chief exec and secretary. Scott was a secretary at the time. And the agent said, Oh, I've just come down from Manchester today. You're not going to believe it. I got the I got the the, the wrong train. I ended up in uh, a place called Ermston. And, and Scott is from Ermston, so this sounds mad when someone from South Africa is telling him this. So I ended up going in um, like a discount store called Kingspot and asking for directions. Now that was the shop which Scott's parents owned. So his head was completely frazzled that this agent had walked into his parents' shop 200 miles away. Of course he hadn't done. And then he saw me walking in like Jeremy Beadle and uh, just went bastard. So Watford um, are doing all right. I watched them play against West Ham last week. I thought they played very well. Tom Cleverly, I've done an interview with Tom, which we'll be publishing over the next couple of days. He's doing well. And I know Scott's had a lot on his plate because he's been trying to keep his manager, who many suspected wanted to join Everton. So it'll be a tough game at Vicarage Road and hopefully it will be much better than last year at Vicarage Road because that was pointed out to Jose Mourinho earlier and he admitted how angry he was he was very critical of, of Luke Shaw so the United then sold out a couple of thousand at least you lads from Oxford don't have to you got Watford yes so yeah. it's a good one for you now yeah well yeah how long yeah um, about an hour into London and well we'll just get to Houston and over yeah. to Watford so yeah. was okay. it from Houston 20 minutes yeah yeah, yeah not so, too bad so bad. bit of a better one for us alright so that's the post match on this one bringing Oxford and Afghanistan chat didn't expect either of them <laughs> but that's the the, the beauty of, of this podcast we, we record it as we go along and I'm going to try and go to the Apollo now and uh, we'll be bringing you the next podcast on Wednesday until then goodbye Borussia Dortmund was only the start of it Fergie signed him and now he's a part of it Shins will fix it Shins will fix it for you And you and you and Kagawa Kagawa-gawa-gawa Shins will fix it for you And you and you and Kagawa